we all start off as potential entrepreneurs in life. It's really just a matter of how well we listen, how well we connect, and kind of how far out on the ledge you're willing to step. If you're at all curious what it's like to start an ad agency at the worst possible time, this might be the podcast for you. That's because I started one last year and my God, it is hard. So what I'm doing is I'm talking to people who have found success in our industry and then applying what I learned to my own life and business. If it doesn't work, I'm screwed. I've never before recorded the intro and outro and gush update directly after an episode. I normally take some time and... You know, I'm not in a rush to do it, but I felt like I was in a rush to do it this time because of my guest and the things he taught me and the things he said. So before I tell you about that and and why I'm so excited, uh, let me introduce him. His name is Mark Patterson. He's the CEO at Connected Realm Entertainment, which is a production company that focuses on do good campaigns. But the reason I reached out to him and talked to him is because I'm really interested in esports and the opportunities it's going to and continuing to create for marketers to see if it's a, you know, it's a way I can get my foot in the door and get some new business. That's entirely my focus right now. It has to be. So he's the co-chair of Lava Esports and Gaming Community. Lava is just an acronym for Los Angeles Venture Association. And it took some time to understand what that is, what esports is, where the opportunities are. But I think at the end, I got to a point where I had pretty concrete details on what I could do next. And so I'm going to let the episode kind of lead you along that journey instead of telling you where I ended up. But I'm really excited about what's possible in terms of, you know, pitching myself and and getting some new business for Gush. It's at least going to be an interesting experiment to try. Gush update is that I'm responsible. You could blame it on COVID. You could blame it on whatever you want. You could blame it on, you know, switching over from Outlook to Google Calendar. But I missed our scheduled time. I got an email from him 36 minutes after I was supposed to be there saying, hey, are we still on today? I thought it was at 4 p.m. PST. It was at 3 p.m. PST. I don't know why. But this isn't the first time this has happened. I'm not buttoned up. I don't know why I'm not more careful about stuff. But I just haven't been. And I think it's really bad. I always feel like shit, you know, if I if I miss something. And I always tell myself I'm going to be better about it. And I, I, don't, I don't know why. Like, there's no excuse. I just need to take more time to look at my schedule every day. And I think maybe it's because some of my days nothing happens. And now that I'm starting to set up a lot of podcast records and having new business meetings with all the outreach I'm doing, you know, I just will hopefully start to naturally be like, I need to look at my calendar and set reminders for myself or whatever. But I'm just really disappointed in myself for that. I mean, it's just inexcusable. I would be pissed about it. And that's just hypocritical. So that's something I'm, you know, I'm working on. So anyways, enough about me, enough about Gush. That was more about me. Let's talk to Mark. One of the things I found interesting about esports is that esports is, you know, one of the fields that's probably thriving because of COVID. I mean, it was thriving before, but like more people are inside, more people are playing video games, I would imagine. And so as somebody in the marketing industry, that's, uh, you know, with a marketing agency and trying to, you know, find new clients and that sort of thing, I'm looking for industries that where the money's going that might need marketing support. So are you finding that 
you know, that, that what I'm, I'm, it's just a booming industry. And I think that on, on the good side of it, there obviously are, are areas where um, good pivoting has led to good profits for, you know, for certain organizations. I think the publishers have done pretty well because of the um, adjusted media habits of people during this. Um, I think that there are, are, are still areas where, um, I think that there are areas that were amplified by what happened with COVID. For example, the digital divide that exists where, um, where internet access, guess what, is not ubiquitous throughout LA. You know, so what you started to see is you know, the, there are, are certain platforms, certain games and so forth that are heavily reliant on good internet access that really got tested by, you know, whether or not you, you actually had that available to you. <clears throat> and unfortunately, there are communities in LA where internet access isn't that reliable. And so, you know, it, I think it amplified the question of whether or not um, gaming and esports is an opportunity for everyone in LA or if there's some exclusion that's going on. Are you a gamer? Not an avid one. You know, I'm a console person. Um, I'm, yeah, for me, it's it's about Madden and NBA 2K. Oh, uh, you're, you're a sports, you're like my little brother. You're a sports, yeah. sports guy. Okay. Yeah, and, and that's where, it's, that's where, I think that that's where my love for it came from. It's that, because I can see the relationship, that, that crossover aspect to it. And that's, that's what fascinates me on the business side about esports. You know, to understand from a business perspective, the esports and gaming community in LA, you really have to start drawing Venn diagrams because you've got this crossover, you know, between the two main ones that really, remember that that um, gaming, you know, kind of you know, transitioned from being a kid's thing to being more mainstream through music. I mean, music is something that it, it's an inherent part. You talk to any publisher, they'll talk about music as, and the significance of that. And sport and sports is I think that, that that got a little bit more amplified during COVID because people were trying to figure out how they could adapt like live sports into the, the context of gaming as, a, as kind of an alternative spectator sport. So, you know, I think that that's, you know, if you look at it that way, this, this, uh, this industry, you know, this $150 billion gaming industry becomes exponentially larger because you've got these crossovers that are happening. And, and that's what's exciting. You know, for me, what I get excited about on the lava side is being able to explore new topics that, that really center around this crossover, like bringing in the film industry. How's the film industry adapting? And how are they using gaming technology? How are live events using game technology in, a, in, order, to, uh, in order to be able to, um, you know, to, to, be able to redo or, or to come up with alternatives? Okay. $150,000, or sorry, not that, $150 billion is massive. Where's that, where's that money going to? Like, what is esports and who's making that money? The distinction, I think that the main distinction you make between esports and gaming is um, esports is a subset of what gaming is. Gaming is your publishers. Gaming is the, the platform's. Gaming is uh, about, you know, kind of the, the, what's at the core of, of all of this. Clarifying question. So $150 billion is gaming. $1 billion is esports. That's still huge, but is that? Yeah, it is. But esports is, is essentially the spectator aspect to it. It's the leagues. It's the teams. It's, you know, and the marketing that goes into the merchandising that goes into that. But it's it's a subset, and the money that's getting invested in esports is different than the money that exists in the gaming industry. 
For example, there are investors that focus more on the teams and, you know, and focus on the competitions than putting money into a, a, a publisher. So publishers would be like a Twitch or this Venn TV that you were talking about? No, actually think of the publishers as the game, the game makers. So Riot Games, Activision Blizzard, EA Sports, you know, it's, it's those, the people who are actually making the games themselves. Then if you take this up another layer you know, on the spectator side of it, you've got the esports competitions. And then what you have are the, essentially the, the broadcasters, the people who are, uh, are, are creating these, these digital communities for people to interact and talk. And so within there, you've got Twitch, you know, you've got now Venn TV, which is slightly different because Venn TV is, is trying to become more of an MTV version of what Twitch is. Um, but again, these are all designed to build up communities, to build up those relationships and those interactions. Okay. And it's a growing one. It's really a growing one. So both are growing. Yeah, d- absolutely. Both are growing. Um, but esports is so new that it feels like there's a lot of opportunities to try and insert yourself and market your marketing services as like, hey, we can we can do this for for you know esports. Uh, whereas maybe other people haven't yet hopped in the space. I'm sure that there's advertising going on to market you know, different events and that sort of thing, but there probably isn't as much as, you know, for, for gaming, of course, it's not as mainstream yet. So I'm trying to figure out and get a really clear sense of where the money is going and if there's competition with where the money's going uh, to see where opportunities might be for people in the marketing industry. So you talk about the events themselves and you know, people that produce the events, you talk about the platforms that people watch these on and interact with others. Uh, You talk about teams, you talk about merchandising. So where is most of the money going? And is there competition between uh, people within the the verticals of where the money is going? It's really hard to explain what I'm talking about, but hopefully that's Kind of clear. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. I follow, I follow you. I mean, I think that the and and by money, you know, you, you've got two two buckets that I, I kind of think of. I think about the advertising side, and I think about the, or the you know, the investment side because I look at them differently. There's like, for example, um, there are some who would argue there's a lot of stupid money going in esports right now. You know, there's a lot of of money being put into to teams and into um, you know in into the these leagues and so forth without a real clear understanding of when that money, what's going to be the return on it. And so um, you know, there has been a history of a lot of money going into teams that really didn't have clear business models of how they're going to work themselves out. You've got, on the other hand, you know, you've got the likes of FaZe Clan and 100 Thieves that are, are, are taking much more of a, they're taking much more of a business focus to how they're building their brands how they're merchandising what they do, how they're building and feeding their communities and really building up their, their um, you know, where they sit within the industry. So that as a result of that, they're building that brand in, in a way that's much more business oriented and less, I would say, less just focused on the gaming itself. The advertising is the interesting part to this because, you know, the amount of money that's going into to these publishing platforms and the opportunity for advertisers in um, these published platforms is is still rather large. And yes, there is, I mean, I think that there is competition for this, but you know, it's, I think that as you start to see more of these Travis Scott like events 
where you're, you're introducing um, you know, a, 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 a music experience into something like Fortnite, that just screams for advertisers to be brought into the mix. And you see that now getting much more incorporated into, um, into the experience within the games itself. And I, I expect that to continue to happen because you know, there, there's no question that um, music artists see this as a, uh, an opportunity for more creative freedom. And when that happens, um, you know, they, they naturally attract uh, you know, people who want to, uh, to cling on to that. Got it. Okay, so we're talking about two forms of advertising. So one is, you know, if we use NASCAR as an example, one is I'm brand and I'm an advertising agency that represents that brand. Part of my job is to find partnerships that make sense to get the word out about that brand amongst audiences that would be interested in it. So in the case of NASCAR, you know, I'm uh, Shell Oil and I throw my patch on you know, X driver or whatever, and it's on his suit. So there's that form of advertising in terms of an advertising agency. Then there's the form of advertising where it's like, you know, I want to, I want to win the account for NASCAR or like, I want to, you know, I want to take advantage of this opportunity to be, to get new business, I guess. And so what I'm interested in the new is the new business side of stuff. So if you were an advertising agency during and we're a comedy ad agency, and that's why it feels like a fit because people in the gaming community, particularly, you know, I've seen a hundred thieves. I think that's what they're called, right? Yep. I've seen what they the content that they make. It's really funny. So yeah. I think comedy could could work to help. I don't know, sell merch better or market events better that are coming up virtually. You know, it feels like there's opportunities there to get your foot in the door and help. Um, get the word out better using comedy. So mm-hmm. what are the areas or what are the businesses that you think the greatest opportunities are to pitch, let's say? I look at Teams as kind of one place that's a low-hanging fruit right now. There's an awful lot of organizations out there that are, are, are really trying to establish an identity. And one of the best ways to do that is through content creation. And there's only so far that that community following that is just really hardcore gaming. It's just only so far that that's going to go. And so if you have an opportunity to help to create an identity for a team, I think that that's something that's of value because I think you're going to start, we're going to start to see this thing happen where um, from a business perspective, these organizations are going to want to be able to create more of that. And quite honestly, the publishers want that too. It's in the best interest of the publisher to build as big of a following to that as possible. And the best way to do that is to have people you know, gain that affiliation or that relationship with the team. The best way for the teams to distinguish themselves from one another is to, um, is to really build up what their identity is from a brand perspective. So I see that kind of that branding aspect as, as an interesting opportunity. From an event perspective, I think that, that that presents itself as an opportunity if you're able to, to get um, a strong affiliation with a particular event um, or a particular league. I think that there's an opportunity there because, again, I think that post-COVID, when we start to have this mix of interest between live events and, and digital events or, or, or internet-based events, I think you're going to see opportunities for um, – for brands to get 
um, you know, to, to, to get more identified with a specific type of experience. So I, it sounds like the biggest opportunities right now are to help build brands for these teams, help build followings for these teams, content marketing for these teams, whether it's a, one of the publishers who wants, you know, there to be followings for the teams that are coming so that people come and watch their events mm-hmm. or the teams themselves, just so that they can sell their merch and that sort of thing. So going direct to the teams or the managers of these teams, is that a good opportunity? I think it's an opportunity right now. I think it's one of them. Um, I, I think that, like, I think that ultimately where the big money uh, in the, the near term is going to go, it's going to be around these events. Um, I, I think it's creating these experiences where um, the brands see a huge opportunity to attract large audiences uh, and, and be tied to that experience. You know, I think that that that, that association and a music event like a, a concert experience that's brought into a, a gaming experience has much more evergreen to it than, say, a, a competition between two teams in a league. And I think that the, the, the challenge for people who are in, you know, the, that are on the creative side, that are, are, are part of the ad experience, is to think of innovative ways in order for brands to be portrayed without it feeling like, you know, this thing is just a, uh, you know, this is like a, looking at a NASCAR car. Okay. So those are two different ways into it that are pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, because one, you know, like the brand thing is interesting because it's like, how do we make, you know, these brand partnerships as enticing as possible um, so that people want to pay us more money and bigger brands want to pay us money to get, you know, themselves represented during these events with a lot of eyeballs. So it's really yeah. two different things that marketers can help out with, right? Sure. Okay. No, absolutely. Then who are the decision makers who put on this, you know, event? Is it people, is it the game makers themselves or is it, you know, a brand or who, who puts on these events? It sounds like the game makers, right? Well, it's a, yeah, the, it starts with the publishers. It starts with the, you know, the, the people who are producing the games, you know, the, they're, they're responsible ultimately for the experience. Now, obviously they've got a whole ecosystem of, of agencies and and different people that are involved with the actual um, the actual staging of the events itself, doing that in coordination with the teams and so forth. So you know it, there is a broader ecosystem around the staging itself, but um, it ultimately starts with the um, the publisher themselves because they're the platform that um, is, is delivering the experience. Okay, now that I fully understand this, um, you did a great job explaining it. So thank you for taking the time to take somebody through who's, as gamers would say, a total noob. I'm curious, you know, one of your things is to help bring money in, help connect investors in with, um, you know, esports entities in LA. Who are those entities? Who are those, what are those things that, investors are investing are they the game publishers are they the teams are they brand sponsors of the teams i think that what what you find with investors right now they what investors are are looking at a variety of opportunities and you've got you, you've got organizations in la investment organizations and increasingly we're seeing more of this that they're putting in they're they're creating gaming practices whether they're educating uh angel investors or whether they're you know, they're looking at their own VC organization, they're constantly trying to learn more about what's happening, what's evolving, and where the opportunities are being created. 
obviously there's been some some you know challenges with uh, from an investment or a return perspective on some of the early money that went into esports, and so there is a bit. I think there, there's some intrepidation right now to look at okay, where is the money best placed? But the thing that that's so great is that you know there is a, an opportunity to evolve that. And I think if we look outwards to other places in the world, we start to get an idea of where the new opportunities are going to be created. So I think that you're going to see in in, in Asia, mobile gaming is much more big. It's got much more, more going on with it than, um, than we have in the U.S. But that being said, um, the opportunity is there because the market is so big in the U.S. And um, uh, investment is, is going to, to start to look at newer technologies, whether it be in the form of the games themselves, what's being published for these platforms, whether it's the platforms, whether it's the peripherals. So I think what you see is there's there's a lot of opportunity for innovation still within this industry. And so that, that's, I think what we're trying to do is we're trying to connect the dots for them in a lot of ways. You know, we're, we're trying to, to see how better to align, you know, the startups that are getting involved with um, different types of experiences and how they can better pu- get connected with the publishers. How do they get better connected with investors that are looking at the returns they could possibly get from this? Okay. So those startups are interesting to me. So before I get in, cause I'm just trying to find where the money's going. <laughs> so it's like it's like if all? Okay. I look I look at this as like a Y Combinator type combinator type situation in a way you know or like a VC connector. So it's like if a vet, if an investor comes in and invests in the esports team, they're all of a sudden going to have money. What is that money going towards? I imagine part of that budget is for advertising, branding, whatever. And when it comes to that. If I was to partner with like a Y Combinator type thing, but within the esports industry, if they believe that my services could help grow that business and get a return mm-hmm. um, on their investment, you know, how it, it's kind of, I, I guess it's like kind of like, how do I become that potential partner? Um, like, so, so my question is, or am I even the right partner? So my question is, has anybody through you yet invested in? something within esports in the LA community? You know, we're not a, uh, we're not a VC. You know, what we are is we're, we're a source of knowledge, a source of education, and a source of contacts. So, you know, we, we make introductions, we help to educate people that are trying to understand better how different industries in LA, um, where opportunities are, are growing there. So, I mean, I think that, you know, what, what to, to your question of, of what I would advise someone as a marketing agency or, or who's trying to get into this, my advice is first and foremost, understand this industry, understand who are all the players and how everyone's connected in this industry. Two, understand where the communities actually are. You know, where are the people? Because, you know, that's what you're ultimately going to be asked to do. You're going to be asked to how well can you garner that community? What, what can you do for a brand in that regard? And three, know what you do well. And what you what isn't there today that you can solve? Okay, so I took in all this information that you so patiently shared with <laughs> me. So I really appreciate that. Here's my takeaway heading into it of what I could do. It seems like the biggest opportunity for what we're good at, for what Gush is good at, is pairing really good, engaging content with really good 
uh, specialized media science within the social media space. So, uh, you know, what we, what we do is we, you know, have the, the whole sales funnel thing going down. And so if I was to come to a team and say, you know, there's a few things that we want to do. One is, you know, we can help build your brand. I mean, we could, you know, redesign your logo, build a website, whatever all that stuff is. Mm-hmm. But the core thing, and maybe the first thing that we should start with is take wherever you're at and give ourselves a goal of selling more merch, getting a return for you right away, using better content and better media spend, if you even have a media spend yet. I would actually take a step backwards. And and I think that all your points are are valid in terms of what the the long-term goal is. I think the first and foremost, the value you can bring through engaging content is to build their community. You know, they, they have to carve out their following. Creating that brand identity for a team helps to build that community. When you start to build that community, that's when it starts to attract other brands to get involved with this, other companies that want to help to, to support them. It helps to build the, the value uh, of what that team is about. From there, you're absolutely right. You know, the, 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 the end game is, is the end game to be able to, um, to buy mansions in Beverly Hills for the team. Um, yeah, there's some teams that, that see that as, as the, the natural avenue they want to go. Uh, others have a much bigger plan, you know, that they see themselves as being able to create franchises that are able to, um, to expand internationally. I think that's kind of the path that I see a lot of these teams that are in esports today, um, where they want to go in creating that kind of the distinctive brand, building their community, and then profiting from it ultimately. All right. I have actionable things that I can do coming out of this conversation. Um, can't wait to be in my own mansion someday. You know what I'm <laughs> yep. The way I like to end, regardless of advertising or with advertising, anything, you know, it could even be about how I am as an interviewer or how I screwed up our schedule, what, whatever it is. What's one nugget of advice that you would leave me with? Punctuality. No, I'm not going <laughs> to. No, I mean, I, I'm not going to. That's, that's, that's implicit. That's implicit. We get that. Yeah, I, I think that one thing is uh, you will have more people tell you what you can't do than what you can do. And um, even on your worst days, don't let yourself be discouraged um, because we all start off as potential entrepreneurs in life. It's really just a matter of how well we listen, how well we connect and kind of how far out on the ledge you're willing to step. And if you have a good sense of yourself and what you know and what you know of the people that are, are supporting you, you you're going to win out on this. So I, I, always, I always tell people, don't be discouraged because as long as you're moving forward, you're being productive. There's just a, a lot of opportunities to be discouraged out there, especially now, uh, and don't be. Mark, what, what's interesting is that that's like what, you know, you're a successful person. Everybody that I've talked to, I would say almost everyone gives some sort of advice around resilience. And I think that that's a common theme for, and it's because it's just so important. And so it's been such a learning experience for me to see, you know, it's kind of obvious, but at the same time, you know, it's, I didn't even realize it was the most important thing because it is. So thanks for leaving me with that. Thanks for continuing to, you know, encourage me to, to keep at it. I will. Tim, you, you've already done the hardest part, which is you put yourself out there. That takes a heck of a lot more than, than most people. And if you believe in what you're doing, you're going to be successful. You just got to stick with it. All right. I will. Thank you, Mark, so much. So, so, so much. Uh, My pleasure, Tim. Appreciate it. Good luck, man. All right. I'll keep in touch. 
Later. Take care. I mean, what an eloquent dude. What a patient and eloquent dude to be able to explain an entire industry that I'm sure he's explained a bunch of times. The guy's the man. There's just no two ways about it. Anyways, I said that at the very beginning, I couldn't wait to record my intro, that I just had to get it, you know, out there. And the reason for that is because how how cool would it be as an experiment to try and to take you through the journey of, of seeing a new business opportunity and telling everything, telling you everything I'm going to do to try and land a client. Just as like a case study, just as an experiment, just as something for you to see how I'm going about things. And I've never given my email before. I'm not a private guy, I just never bothered doing it. But if you ever have suggestions, particularly in this case, of what I could be doing better, of things you like about the show, of things you hate about the show, whatever you hate about me, keep that to yourself. I don't like that. I don't need it. You can email me and let me know. You can find me on LinkedIn. You can let me know. I love being open. I love being honest. I love being better. And critique is the way to get there. So I'm going to try and land a client in the esports space. I think my goal as per the end of the episode is that I'm going to try to find team managers and say, hey, I need to build your brand, which is probably true. I need to help you build your following. I can do that using comedy. I want to help you. Please give me your money. So let's see what happens. Um, I'm excited. This is kind of exciting. This is a cool little experiment. Stay tuned. I'll have an update next time. And uh, yeah, hit me up, Tim at Gush.agency. I don't know if I gave you that. So Tim at Gush.agency. I'm also on LinkedIn. Also on, uh, that's really about it. Talk to you guys next time.